yes, welcome back to Inspiring African Travel. It's me, James, here, and this is our series where we take you on some epic journeys through some of the places in Africa that we know and love, and hopefully you're really enjoying this, this series. The idea is basically we enjoy this, but to get you fired up about going to these places yourself. Now, this is our KwaZulu-Natal special that is in South Africa, for those of you who don't know. And if you know somebody that is planning on going to KZN soon, you really need to pass this podcast episode on to them. Or better still, listen in if you want to enjoy our episode chatting about KZN and hopefully we'll convince you to explore there yourself. Now, Stuart and I both went to boarding school together at a place called Treverton in the KwaZulu-Natal Midlands. It's a place we learned to love really from a very, very young age. Now, when, while everybody else was, was going for rugby practice and cricket practice after school, we would go out hiking the Drakensberg and yep, we even went rhino trekking in the nearby game reserves after our classes. So thinking back, we were really fortunate and both of us learned to absolutely love KZN from a very, very early age. Right, so if you're coming to South Africa or you're a local who's keen to get to know KwaZulu-Natal, then this episode is absolutely packed with tips and hidden gems and must-see places. For this episode, um, we've actually got Melanie Fanzel. She's coming on board. She's an extremely talented travel writer and photographer, and she actually lives in Peter Maritzburg in KZN. And if, in case you haven't picked up, KZN is short for, for KwaZulu-Natal. Mel has explored just about every corner of KZN. And if you're going to be listening to this and trying to absorb all these little places that we recommend, um, don't worry, don't stress about having to write them down or remember them. Just jump onto our website once you finish listening. Um, you can find us on inspiringafricantravel.com um, or we'll have all the links on the, on the podcast show notes. But either way, track us down and we'll have just about every link that we talk about there on those show notes. So look out for that. Like all things, we didn't really have the chance to talk about every little corner of, of this amazing province in South Africa. So we've split this episode into five areas. And by the end of it, you're guaranteed to be a KZN fan for sure. So we start off with Durban, the city. Um, this is the hub of KZN, and we're not really big into cities on this podcast, so you'll see Mel definitely persuades us otherwise. The other five areas we're going to be talking about will be the epic Drakensberg Mountain, um, superb hiking, and definitely South Africa's most significant mountain range. We'll then move on to Cozy Bay. This is the most remote beaches of South Africa and we'll be talking about some of these beaches and bays and the amazing tropical wilderness places that you can get out there and don't forget some of the best snorkeling and diving we'll be sharing those tips with you we then move to KZN Midlands this is where Stuart and I went to school um, it's a region that starts basically an hour inland from Durban and covers the beautiful midlands which roll all the way into the Drakensberg mountains perfect for road tripping full of quaint places to stay and explore if you're into foods and crafts um, and beautiful green rolling hills and then finally we'll be talking about all the beautiful wildlife parks and game reserves in KZN so if you listen to series two we actually featured Babanango game reserve and that was with uh, Musa Mbata, the game game reserve manager there, and we're going to be talking about there, but also a range of other beautiful KZN game reserves and really truly unique ecosystems for quite an authentic African wildlife experience. So we're packing it in. Thanks again, Melanie, for agreeing to help us out. It was a lot of fun. 
and of course her website and contact details are in the notes on our website as well. So tune up the volume, settle in um, as we explore KZN together, just for you. Enjoy. So Mel, you know that you know we're pretty relaxed, eh? Yeah. Not me. I'm very serious. <laughs> um, Stu, do you sound quite close to your mic? Are you are you quite close to it? Yes, I'm inside. Mm. It's like inside of me. Where are you? And why are you so cold? Yeah, because I'm in Johannesburg. Is it freezing? <laughs> <laughs> freaking freezing! It's mad at the moment. Is that better, James? As uh, our all our friends from Durban call Johannesburg uh, Mordor. <laughs> all right so good, uh, connection connection good hey eh, melanie you, you you're comfortable yeah. i see you got a cup of tea yes <laughs> what brew have you gone for i've got chai chai okay yeah. like... which is like, just tea i guess <laughs> the, the uh like cinnamon and in a tea bag from a yeah. from a commercial retailer or a authentically yes. made one <laughs> James is very efficient, very efficient with his tea, yeah? so just be careful what you say. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> but you are you are in KwaZulu Natal, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in Peter Maritzburg. Okay, that's authentic. That's excellent. And how is it there at the moment? No, it's pretty good. I mean, in weather or just yeah. general. Yeah, you got to it's understand. Actually... I'm in the UK at the moment, and there's a there's a deep <laughs> obsession about weather. <laughs> it's actually it's, it's today was beautiful. Um, you know, I went for a walk down the street this afternoon and just one layer. So for winter, it's really not bad. We were actually chatting because last year's winter, I think, was much colder. We haven't, like, broken out the heater this year yet. I don't know. Mm. Might be talking too soon. There's always It always feels like spring, and then there's a cold snap that reminds us that it's not. Are you born and bred from um, the Natal area, or have you just been living there now for the last few years? No, I'm a born and bred Joe Burger. Oh. Yeah, my fiance is from Peter Maritzburg, and I'm here because COVID has allowed us to both work remotely, so we could choose our destination. I guess we kind of bit of a powwow about where we want to live, and yeah, KZN came up tops. Um, but we were looking for a place to live in the Durban, somewhere on the coast. We don't. We've been looking for a year, so we're still trying to find the right place for the right price. Good on you. Yeah. So. Mm. So Natal has been the chosen place. Your yeah. KZN is going to be home forever now. <laughs> yeah, or at least for a while. <laughs> yeah, nice. And awesome yeah. to be by the coast, if you can. Eh? Well, Stu lived in the coast. He was in the north coast for a while in Ntunzini. I love Ntunzini. If I, I'm, I want to move there, but apparently it's too far. You should. It's a nice, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice spot. Every mm. time Bronwyn, my wife, goes down there, she sends me new houses for sale. I think she... Uh, I think if she could have her way, she'd be back there. <laughs> I don't blame her. And Stu, you, you're about to pick your wife up from the airport, who's just come from KwaZulu-Natal, right? Yeah, she was in Zini. Yeah, there you go. So all, all roads lead to KwaZulu-Natal. I mean, you've chosen, you've chosen KZN um, to be where you want to be now. For you, what is it about KZN, without going into too much detail, that you love, Melanie? I think as a base... It's really hard to beat. You drive three hours in any direction and you've got either the bush in like Schleunfelosi or you can go to the Drakensberg Mountains or you've got your choice of beach, whether you want snorkeling or fishing or walking or just epic views. There's so much. There's a, there's a huge amount of biodiversity and variety in quite a short radius. We get involved a lot with international tourism. And, you know, it seems like the big draw card is the Cape and the Western Cape. Would you say KZN is a little bit of an undiscovered gem in some respects or just has a lot more to offer than what people might think? I, I think so. I think it's it's the relaxed cousin of Cape Town, I guess, <laughs> if yeah. you wanted to call it that. <laughs> I think it's a lot less... Um snooty for lack of a better word but yeah i think i think as a it's a seriously underrated destination and base and i think the people are incredible there's as much diversity of people as there is in place and the culture is also incredible Stu, i can see you going back down to natal just suits you man yeah one day when i've made my millions and then i can work 
from a small base in Tanzania. I think Mal hit the nail on the head. Diversity's got to be KZN's like biggest selling point. If you ask people in the travel industry, you know, about KZN, certainly was my experience when I lived there. Because I obviously, I suppose like you, Mel, I kind of got there, lived in Tanzania, and then kind of fell in love with that, with that diversity and authenticity that you talk about. And then I talked to other people in the travel industry about it. Like, you know, why aren't you, why don't you guys sell it? People don't don't understand. I don't know if it's that you've got to be there to understand it, or or maybe it's poorly marketed, maybe by destination KZN. But it's interesting, right? Because it's it's quite a conundrum because it really is. It really does have everything to offer, but it is like viewed as a tough tough destination to sell. Quite frankly, once this podcast goes out, guys, it's um, you know, the secret's out. <laughs> now that KZN is officially being featured on this podcast. The numbers are going to quadruple at least. That's what that's what I'm guessing. Yeah, and when everybody catches wind of the fact that uh, Melanie's living there and all that, you know, it's just yeah, finger on the pulse. <laughs> you made me laugh, um, Mel, when I sent you your your list, and I was like, okay, here's the things we're going to talk about. So we're going to get into the tips of your and our tips for getting the best out of KZN. And then I was like, well, we won't talk about like cities and stuff because we're just not really into that. We just want to go straight into the outdoors. And you're like, what? <laughs> so we're going to start. We're going to start off by the, you talking to us about your favorite bits of the city and the cultural side of things in the towns that you reckon KZN has to offer. Convince us. I, I have to admit that I'm a, a born and bred Valley which means that I come from the, the, the inland of South Africa. So I think that definitely has something to do with my love of Durban because there's the annual pilgrimage from Johannesburg to the seaside. But I think for good reason. I mean, Durban has been the holiday, the South African's holiday destination of choice for years and years and years and years. And I only really spent, I think there was a couple, like a decade or so where maybe people didn't go they didn't really go to the promenade or anything like that. It kind of lost its luster. But after the 2010 World Cup, there was a huge injection of um, infrastructure. And I think now today, the Durban promenade is probably like, I want to call it the most democratic space in South Africa. It's got, it's the longest promenade in Africa, I think, at the moment. It's eight kilometers long because they extended it recently. And being there in the morning is incredible. There's, there's surfers in the sea. There's um, there's cultural people in the in the waters they um come as church groups and they do like a, like the baptism rituals and then there's the runners and the cyclists and the um, skateboarders and i think the energy there is just incredible and that, like you to beat you can't beat a saturday morning on the promenade and i think it gives you a really good taste of south africa today i think it's it's important to kind of see it as well that's where everything started it's one of the most important ports so even before Cape Town the railway the South Africa's first railway started in Durban and I think yeah there's a there's a lot of really underrated culture and history to be seen and explored in Durban and while we're on cities and culture have you have you got any really cool recommendations of, of places to eat in the Durban area there was one really actually amazing restaurant that I visited in it's a little bit inland oh man I've gone blank Hillcrest, Hillcrest, <laughs> in a little bit inland in Hillcrest, and it's this um, these these chefs. It's called Summerhill, um, the the living room at Summerhill Estate, and the chef really focuses on um, indigenous foods and kind of championing some really cool South African ingredients in a strange way. So he made for one example is that he went down to the sardine run and brought in. Or like everyone does, like as the fishnets come and everyone walks into the ocean and grabs their stock of sardines. And he made this, he, he's big into his fermenting. So he made this like um, fish sauce from it. So that's one small example. He also took like pineapples from the Shishlui area. He used sorghum popcorn in his meals. It's like the most incredible dining experience. What's the name of that place again? That's a great tip. The living room at Summerhill Estate. It's very, very like typical Durban, so relaxed. It's literally like walking into somebody's living room. For those who are in the Durban area, it's not, what, 20 minutes? Yeah, if that. Ah, brilliant. And um, and you got to have a bunny chow. Do you know the origin 
Do you know the origin behind a, a bunny chow stew? I do. With the story, uh, well, my understanding of it is um, it dates back to the guys working um, and they're out in the fields and stuff and, the, and their wives used to make, you know, proper curry, um, but they wanted to try and keep it warm. So they used to put it inside a loaf of bread so that it stayed fresh and warm with the lid on top inside the packet. And that's how, that's how they would go to work for the day. And then when it came to lunch, they'd still have a good quality curry to get them through the rest of the day. Come on. Yeah, like uh, a, it's the, a sustainable lunchbox. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably got to be one of the highlights around Durban. Every, every time I've been there, I felt it's critical to have a proper Durban curry, right? Yeah, absolutely. But you, you must just beware of the temperature or the spice, not the temperature, <laughs> the spice rating. <laughs> James, you've had a couple of good curries there, hey? Do you remember the, I think we had one in our, uh, in our Indaba days where we went to that house in the back end of Florida Road somewhere. I remember the waiter came out and just said to us, he's just going to order. I think we were too many people. I think we were like 12 people. Yes. And then he came to us and he was just, he like look, looked at everyone. People were trying to decide. And then he just took all the menus away and he was just like, I'm just bringing food. So everyone was like, okay. And then the, everyone, then that question came up. Um, how hot, you know? And he said, well, some mild, some hot, some medium, you know? And then when the food arrived, you didn't know what you were going to get until you put it in your mouth. <laughs> and then when you, when you hit that really hot one, you could just check the tears coming out of everyone's <laughs> faces. I loved it. It was probably one of my best uh, Indian curry experiences <laughs> ever. I love that place. <laughs> That's great. That was our mate uh, Luke Solomon from school that put us onto that place, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because he was a bit of a foodie, right? And we said to him, listen, we want a, an authentic curry. Yes. And it was like literally at his house down on the... We must dig it up and put it in the Definitely, notes. we will. Such a cool Yeah, place. yeah. He would have been a great guy um, to talk to, but he's... Because um, he started a whole foodie channel in Durban, but he's now he's now upended and gone to bloody New Zealand. So screw him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll send him the, the podcast link afterwards yeah. and say, look, what yeah, happened, dude? This you know, could have been you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we digress. we digress. Yeah. And then the last thing is is cool. There's a lot of cool um, surf schools, you said, uh, Mal. We've actually done a surf lesson there in, on the in Durban beachfront. It's good fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's the the it's a very friendly ocean there, I think. Mm. Um, it's like it's very calm the harbor's there so I think the waters are super relaxed and easy um, you can also do some supping lessons there's also in the because the um, Oshaka aquarium is there and then there's a series of canals that actually feeds into the aquarium so it, even if the ocean is there's no waves or if it's too rough then they actually do some supping on the canals behind the aquarium which is pretty cool that's great yeah okay cool and that leads nicely to our next spot I mean from from a tame ocean and lots of uh, city city life and cultural things to do um, to the remote Cozy Bay. And I, freak, I love this place so much. Talk to us about Cozy Bay. Where, where, where is it, Mel? It's as far as you can go in up the Kuzula Natal coast. It's on the border of Mozambique. And for a long time, it was cut off from, from tourism. Or I think it was a very rural area. Um, you know, people there lived a very traditional way of life, fishing and living off the land. And it was a bit of a militarized zone from what I understand because of during apartheid years, the government was scared of insurgencies from Swaziland and Mozambique. So it was quite heavily patrolled. So it wasn't really a relaxing vacation spot until fairly recently. Being remote and being cut off, obviously, it's not seen much in the way of development, which is quite often a good thing in terms of its wilderness appeal. Why do you think people should go there? Well, it is, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it forms part of the greater Isamangalisa wetland park, um, which I think is good to understand. It's, it's part of a much bigger network of wilderness areas, of patchwork, I guess, if you want to call it. But those lakes, I think, are very special. Um, they're very rare because of the way that the water filters out through the, um, through the dunes and the forests. And it's as an ecosystem, again, it's like just this, total biodiversity hotspot in quite a small area there's also different ways to visit the area so it can be quite tricky to plan a trip um, there's three lakes that feed into one another and I think the cozy bay that people kind of picture in their head is actually the cozy 
the Cozy Bay mouth where the lakes empty out into the sea. And that's magnificent for snorkeling and beaches and like enormous palm trees and forests and great birding. Yeah, it's mm. beautiful. So the whole the Isimangalisa wetland park starts, the southernmost point is a place called Mapelan. So if you if you kind of look at the South African coast from south to north, it goes Mapelan, St. Lucia, Cape Vidal, Sedwana Bay, and then up into Cozy Bay. And then the, the big turtle nesting site is uh, Banganek, Banganek. Yeah. Um, yeah it's an amazing place i mean and i think what you're talking about and when you talk about like that um wild open beach area you know you don't uh, obviously there, there's a lot of that in in south africa it's not we, we don't have to beat around that but it it really is unique in that it is it is quite a it's quite a drive to get there it's not long in terms of distance but you do like you said it's still there's a lot of rural land there and stuff so the drive you know, the drive all the way up there is a bit stop and start and stuff, but it's actually quite cool because as you kind of drive north, obviously you leave Durban, which is a, you know, a big metropolitan city. And then you get into these, you go through all of the, all of the um, uh, cane lands and the sugar cane farms and all of that. And then you just find yourself like on this, on this beach. I mean, like Rocktail Beach Camp. I think there's, there's two lodges there in that whole span of that area. So if you're a diver, or you uh, or you like the coast it's probably it's probably one of the best diving locations in south africa i'd say because it's so it's protected it's part of the samangaliso wetland park um and there are coral reefs and stuff are just epic there and there's just no i mean sedwana is obviously a very popular beach, uh, diving destination but further north just gets more and more pristine less and less people um so it really is worth the worth the trek up there in my opinion Absolutely. <laughs> and I think what's also interesting about the dive sites there, because the the last river that enters the sea is at St. Lucia, as and when that happens. So the, the ocean, there's like no silt, so the visibility and stuff, you know, say for seasonal, I guess, plankton concentrations and stuff, is the visibility is incredible. And I think it's also worth just giving a, a, a bit of a mention to that Isimangaliso uh, wetland park. I mean, um, Mel, maybe you can give us a little bit more about it, but it's it's significant in size and diversity. Eh? I mean, and, and the wildlife, while it's not the Kruger National Park, um, you, there's, you see some really good game there in certain areas um, right on the coast. So it's, it's, it's a really unique yeah. place, it was something I, a place I used to go to regularly. Yeah, as a kid, back when you could drive on the beach, um, like that's where we used to holiday was Mapelan and Cape Vidal and used to like drive on the beach between between those two sites and I went back maybe call it four years ago and I was astonished at all that they've done an amazing job with restocking that reserve there's elephants there's buffalo I had an incredible black rhino sighting a leopard ran across the road in front of me and I was just blown away it's like this you have the Cape Vidal beach which is just like nuts also great snorkeling beautiful wide golden beach and then you drive five minutes and you're looking at a giraffe and rhino it's really amazing okay so um yeah a bit tricky to get to but you know beautiful remote beaches incredible swimming snorkeling and diving around there um pristine and um melanie in, in terms of a like places to stay that you know of around there well i stayed at cozy forest lodge which is beautiful i think that's isibindi they were amazing um what is what what else have you got in that area mel i we go to sudwana bay every year we go diving and um and fishing um so we stay at a place called Cor coral divers resort which is super laid back you know fairly relaxed dive camp um but it's inside the park which is really nice you've got really close access to the beach and then yeah that cozy forest lodge i think is amazing that raffia palm walk is really incredible and you can see the palm nut vultures and that which is super cool and then yeah i think inside inside is so all the um kzn wildlife parks board accommodation is you know it's super decent i think it's very basic but um you know those log cabins are all in the best positions true often the case those ones those parks runs properties sometimes they're a bit old school but they yeah as you say always in really good locations awesome i yeah, love the spot okay from now from the coast to the mountains and 
obviously we had that nice episode a few weeks back with the Kilimanjaro um obviously it's not Kilimanjaro but it's the biggest mountain range in southern Africa tell us about the Drakensberg Mel yeah that's it it is enormous (laughs) that's the one thing um and I think you have to in terms of visiting it there's so many faces of the Drakensberg it's not just you know one mountain the range it 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 borders the whole of Lesotho and it's like yeah it's it's a semicircle it's one almost half the border of Lesotho, I guess, if you wanted to look at it that way. And I think there's so many different regions um, of the Drakensberg. And I've been hiking there a lot recently in the past three years and kind of trying to understand a bit more about the areas and, you know, which is which is good for day hikes or more challenging stuff. Every It just, just made me realize that every single section of it is so different there's a the section of it called Nueni, which is in the far northern berg closest to johannesburg and it actually lies outside so it's 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 also a world heritage site so you have the greater drakensberg maluti Oklahoma heritage site but Nueni lies just outside of it it's actually a community run um part of the reserve the landscape is so dramatic. It's, it's, it's kind of, it feels like that's where the Drakensberg starting and it kind of like erupts from the earth and these like spiky towers and stuff. It's just nuts and so beautiful. Well, so Nweni is a part, what is it, a park, a reserve? Within... It's a, a reserve. I would call it a community reserve. I actually don't know, if, I don't know if the reserve is actually the right word. It's community land um, and it's protected by the community. Um, but I'm not sure if it's, if it's actually a designated reserve. It's a wilderness area. Wilderness area, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so the Drakensberg is, I mean, it's it's immense and it spans beyond just KwaZulu Natal. It spans countries into Lesotho and provinces. A lot of the different areas that you access to hike are, you, you know, within valleys. So you you can't you kind of can't sort of drive across along the Drakensberg. You kind of have to zip in and zip out. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've got to you've got to pick your pick your region, I guess. Okay. And I mean, they're largely divided into north, south, and central, generally speaking, which is a bit simplified. But th- those are your kind of main tourism hubs. Okay. So Champagne's Valley is, as you said, the most accessible up to Joburg. So is that is that close to where Nueni is? Yeah. So kind of. So it's it's around the corner from Nueni, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Mnueni is closer to a place called Bergville. And then the Champagne Valley is between Bergville and the greater Midlands area. But yeah, it's, it's the, the Champagne Valley is definitely the more touristed part. There's a, there's a lot more places to stay. You know, some of the other places like Giants Castle are a lot more remote and there's only one resort. And it's you drive in and you drive out and it's just way more rural. Yeah, I'm a fan of Giants Castle. That's an area... I've done quite a bit of hiking and exploring and it was the most accessible for us from, from school. Hey, Stu? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's nice that you can just, I think what's quite cool is you get, there's quite, there's a lot of options from a hiking perspective eh, for those hikers. I mean, you can do a, you can do a day walk or like a multi-day hike um, with all your gear and everything. I mean, it's some of the hiking in the, in the Drakensberg is, is pretty intense. I mean, I remember it from, when I was in standard eight, I mean, obviously we were little, so it was of course intense. But it's still, it's I think still you can intense. Do some really, really good quality hiking up there. I feel like it's just never to be underestimated, even if it's just a four-kilometer easy, so-called easy hike. It just never feels that way in the Drakensberg. Everything is just enormous and massive and uphill. <laughs> and that's true. I mean, the peaks, the highest points, are well into the three thousand meters, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's covered in snow at the moment. Is that correct? I think large parts of it are. Ah, cool. For sure. That is nice. Yeah. So Yeah, the um, one area actually we didn't we didn't um, touch on yet was the Sani Pass, which is very famous for for its snow and the dramatic driveway leading to the snow. Yeah, so you can actually drive to the top, right? Yeah, that's a much easier way <laughs> to get there. Yeah, and, they do have the walk. I think there's an annual walk and the trail run, but yeah. yeah, the drive is certainly the best. And then you can, um, I, mean, I mean, this obviously appeals to Stu. You can have a beer at the top, right? Which is the highest pub somewhere. What, highest pub in South Africa? 
must be africa i think it's pub in africa yeah it's cool so they claim mm-hmm. yeah well no i think we're going to get to them it's the highest pub in africa we're going to go guns blazing at it yeah it is it's a really cool experience nice you just got to remember the trick is you know a lot of people would and what i did is uh the last time i was there is we stayed at the bottom right and then you drive up it's quite a drive. I mean, it's, it's not that long in distance, but it's obviously it's very windy and it's tricky at the top. You need a four by four and all of that stuff. You get to the top, you should really spend the night up there. That's the that's the trick because um, obviously you get stuck into the highest pub in Africa. You don't want to be driving down <laughs> that pass after a couple of beers. Yeah, I regret that. Like I wish I wish I. I mean, we went up there. And it was snowing when I went up there. And uh, I mean, it was epic, man. We ran around in the snow, got into that pub. It's really like, you know, fire inside, you know, fireplace inside. It's really, really cool and authentic. But of course, you've got to drive back down. So you you always, you're, you're always pushing yourself for time. So there's a really cool little lodge up there. There's actually a few options, I think, a couple of backpackers and stuff. Um, and it's better, you know, just drive up, have a have a proper meal there, have a walk around, enjoy it properly, and then come back down. That's like so you can stay at that pub. Is there a prop uh, hotel there? Yeah, it's called Sani Mountain Lodge, if I if I remember correctly. And I think there is they are they do have backpacker sections and stuff as well. And it's in Lesotho. You need your passport. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Technically, we're now on a Lesotho podcast but uh it's uh pretty much part of the case best, best, best right? views of kzn <laughs> best views of kzn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah very cool experience. okay well there's some good tips so stay on the top so you can enjoy your beer on the highest pub in africa and bring your passport i've also got another tip um if it is snowing um because when we did a hike from um from school back in 1997 i think uh we did that the Langalila Bele Pass up up there, and uh, it had snowed the week before, but there was still s- snow left over, and we were pretty excited about it. So we decided that instead of hiking down the gorge, we would just um, slide along the frozen snow on top of the 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 gorge down, which, in retrospect, was the most stupid idea ever. <laughs> I was going to um, say, was that was that effective? <laughs> It, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, me and my, my other mate were, were quite cautious. It was quite effective depending on which way you look at it for um, Mark, this other guy, because he, Efficiency. he, he went down at about 80 kilometers an hour, <laughs> but unfortunately hit a rock and broke his leg. <laughs> so, oh, scary. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great. So, and uh, then the weather came in after that. So actually we laugh about it now, but we were, we were quite, um, we were quite yeah. shit scared, to be honest with you, because the, the the weather in the Drakensberg is very temperamental as it is in many mountains. And uh, it closed in, but we had space blankets and we left them there and we had to get the uh, mountain rescue guys to go up with with horses and um, and a splint and put him up on the on the horse and bring him down. Took took ages. Stu, don't you remember we 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 were put in front of the whole school and the and Dr. Staples told everybody that <laughs> next time they're being idiots on the mountains that we've got um helicopter rescue insurance. Yeah. So you were like the perfect the Dr. Staples example, right? You made a proper example out of your ex acting like numb nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that telling you a crazy Mr. story though. Yeah, Mr. Buchanan, yeah. do you remember him? Yeah, he was yeah. there at the bottom waiting to take us, and uh, I was like, um, "We've we've lost a guy." <laughs> He's like, "No, nah, come on, guys, I'm not. I don't believe you. I'm serious." <laughs> so you left him there on his own, just to clarify that. No, <laughs> no, one left. Okay. One stayed with him, and the other three of us came down. Well done. Yeah. Not that stupid. But that is, I mean, that's a it's a good tip. The, the other good tip out of the in Drakensberg is. Don't be a dumbass, right? I mean, it's, a uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful place to walk. You can do like day walks and everything. But uh, as you said, weather changes quickly and then things get serious. Always be prepared. Plan your walks and let people know where you are. Not like James, um, where you just went rogue. <laughs> yeah. So, Mel, those, are, those people who want to do a serious hike, who in that episode uh, we talked about the like three, four day hikes that you can do. You can do that in the, in the Drakensberg, right? Yeah. There's, it depends. Yeah. It depends, it depends where you stay. There are guided hikes. A lot of the very um, kind of old school tra- traditional family hotels like Cathedral Peak and I think Champagne Castle, they'll have 
daily guided hikes as part of their stay, which is really nice. That's a nice, easy day walk to do. Um, but if, yeah, if you're wanting to do some serious hiking, overnight camp, like wild camping stuff, and you've never been to the Drakensberg, it's definitely best to go with a guide. Someone who knows the area, someone who knows how to read the weather and knows where to go in an emergency, like divert your route and go stay in a cave or something like that. Yeah. Um, I've, I've always gone hiking with this Durban local called Michaela Gretenbeek and her company is called Pathfinders SA. And she's incredible. She knows those mountains backwards and she's properly certified. I think there might be a lot of people offering Drakensberg hikes, but I would definitely check if the guides are qualified and what their kind of safety, what their safety plan is and, you know, who do they contact in an emergency just to kind of make sure you covered. Brilliant. Great tip. We'll, we'll get, uh, we'll get Michaela's uh, details and include them there for those who want to go with them. Eh? So connecting to the Berg, we're going to the Midlands, not the English Midlands here, the Natal Midlands, KwaZulu-Natal Midlands, or I think it gave them gave themselves a brand name called the Midlands Meander, right? Yeah, that's correct. So tell us about, yeah, in a nutshell, what have the Midlands got to offer? Uh, it might as well be England. <laughs> I think that that kind of gives it its its charm here in South Africa, is that it is a little mini paradise of rolling pastoral hills. And it was a very big dairy farming area back in the day. I think like in the 90s, they launched the Midlands Meander because it attracted a whole bunch of cool artsy folk that were doing great things. And they connected everyone into a it's a bit of a road trip route, so that's what it's really known for these days. It's a really great road trip little area, and you can pull off for lots of stops. There's great little shops and breweries, and it's still a great farming area. So there's lots of produce, there's lots of cheese stores, and um, you know little delis and great little restaurants and coffee shops and antique stores. And then you, at the end of the day, you retire to your charming country cottage with the blazing fire. Classic. Yeah, yeah, you sold it to me. I mean, that's where I, I was. I I grew up a lot. I lived in Hilton, so used to that whole misty English green vibe that you get there. But it is it's it's so it's so beautiful, and yeah, best way to explore it, right? I guess is as you say, you road trip, and you dive in and out of any of those quaint towns or villages, Nottingham Road, Hilton, Howick. They're all so so quaint, so beautiful really does offer a lot in that arts, crafts, and foodie side of things. The last time I drove through there, I mean, Mel, you live, you live right there on the doorstep, but what's, what's really cool about it for me is that I think it's I think it's even developed a bit more into that kind of arts and culture thing. You know, things like coffee culture and stuff like that is starting to come out in the Midlands area. Like you can go and find a, someone's converted a, a bus and a, and a shed into a really cool coffee shop on the side of the road. You can stop there. And have a good have a good meal and a coffee like that's that's what really stands out for me in the midlands i think the big trick is is to drive and get into those different farm areas right i mean you can also fall into the trap of just going to the big popular places i mean piggly wiggly is amazing there's lots of shops and stuff there. it's a cool experience but don't don't think that that's the midlands meander it's so much more than that right absolutely i mean if you it's kind of like the drakensberg my my tip would be to kind of pick your area and like focus on that so you can kind of maximize everything that's on that route because it, it, it is quite sprawling like in one direction you have the Piggly Wiggly and the Nottingham Road and the main R103 which is deservedly the main section I mean for me the big attraction there is the Nelson Mandela capture site which is super cool they've opened up a it used to just be the the sculpture of Mandela's face which only lined up if you stood in a certain section just in front of it but they've launched an incredible museum it actually opened during covid and it is astonishing for me it's actually i would i would call it the best museum in south africa at the moment it is just so well curated and epic video installations it's like it's been hours there reading all the little info snippets and it's and it's not just about when they captured mandela it gives a really good snapshot of south africa in the 70s it's good to know it's good to hear that you what you said about the capture site because 
I was there, I went there many years ago, and when they had the structure up where you can only see his face when you stand mm. at a certain angle, and it was a cool experience, um, but I did feel like it was lacking something, actually. So, you know, it's like that back then it was just something you'd stop for five minutes, line up your walk so that you see the face thing come out of the art structure, and then you'd get in your car and go. So that's really cool to know that it's uh, that it's quite a comprehensive experience, because it is, it's a significant uh, site from a from a history and a, and a South African cultural perspective. Awesome. Yeah, I gave myself so, an hour there and it was not enough. <laughs> amazing. Well, that's good to know. That's yeah. really cool. Um, but yeah, as yeah, so pick your area. So yeah, do do the main stuff, and then look at little places like Carcliff. I think is a really cool little gem, and that's on the other, totally the opposite end. Um, near Howick, there's a conservancy area which is doing a lot of work to conserve the cranes. The farmers have come together to, to do some really cool conservation work. They've got like a really great bird hide. Um, there's amazing trails down there for hikes or mountain biking or just walks. Um, and I think the most exciting development down there at the moment is a place called the Old Mushroom Farm, which was an old mushroom farm. And they've converted it into a, um, yeah, like a little artisanal hub. So there's really cool little stores there. Um, there's a bakery. There's your coffee shop. Um, and a lot of artists and they're doing a bit of a first Thursday vibe so it's the first Thursday of the month you can come and see what's happening and you know look at a new gallery or exhibition and chat to the artists I think there's bands playing so yeah it's really it's really exciting. The Carcliffe Conservancy is there somewhere to stay there no? Yeah at, at the old mushroom farm there's a really quirky little apartment so it's actually in a in an old growing tunnel and yeah, it's just done. The owner is also very quirky and interesting. So they've got they've got really good taste, but like quite vintage, thrifty, fun. So it's quite a cool place to stay. Nearby on the other side, closer to um, Nottingham Road, I really like. Fordoon's got some really beautiful self-catering cottages. Um, my tip would just be to find a place with a fireplace and then you get the whole experience. Mm, the full vibe. We knew one of the biggest places we used to go a lot to Rawdon's where they've got the Nottingham Brewery Company. We big fans of beer on this podcast. And I think they've probably been uh, doing ale there long before craft beer was a was a thing, right? That's a really good spot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's an institution. It's where and they and they beers... to learn how to drink beer. And their beers have great yeah. names. Yeah, there's like the pop-eyed possum pale ale or something like that <laughs> really hilarious name. the whistling the whistling weasel so the craft beer side of things i knew about but you say also there's um there's a wine estate there yes there is <laughs> not not what kzn is famous for absolutely not and and rightly so because i think it is very tough but they are. There, there's one. Um, there's one couple that's done it. There's a place called Abingdon Wine Estate, and yeah, they are super passionate. Um, you won't find uh, like a bottle of their wine on the shelves, kind of thing. You have to go there to buy it, and it's part of their ploy. <laughs> they want to make you. They want to tell you their story. They want to make you what they call uh, an Abingdonian. Abingdonian, um, mm. and they they really do make you feel like family, and their story is incredible incredible and what they've done there is just the guy he kind of was just interested in it and was like oh you know why don't we like this is such a lush fertile valley why don't we grow vines here um and by through trial and error they finally got it right um but their daughter is actually one of South Africa's best sommeliers and their forte is sparkling wine so she's studied as opposed to his kind of self-learned so it's quite an interesting combination between the two of them I think they, they're really making some magic there. Cool. Well, that's uh, if you want to leave South Africa with a unique bottle of wine, that's the place to go. No one, no, none of your mates uh, back home will have a, a bottle of KZN wine, eh? <laughs> no. <laughs> Great. That's the Midlands. Yeah, I mean, there's, like you said, there's so many little beautiful little spots uh, right across the Midlands. We'll try and We'll try and capture as many of those as we can down um on the on the show notes finally mel a lot could be said for the game parks in kzn in terms of what they've done for conservation across africa i know the rhino was 
you know, um, the rhino rehabilitation story there in Shishlui is is quite something. There's obviously different areas in the, in KZN that that offer wildlife experiences. So, what what makes it special in your in your perspective coming on safari in KZN? Yeah, so as I grew up in Joburg, so our kind of we were spoiled with a lot of bush holiday choices, and often it was going to the Kruger Lowfeld or up to the Waterberg. Um, and the bush there is so different to KZN. I think like there's the sultry tropical edge to the bush felt down here that I just love. It's so like mystical. I don't know what it is, but I, I really, really love it. And the, the likes of Shishlu and Falozi, those wilderness areas have been protected. It was those with um, Shaka's hunting grounds and they've been protected for years. And then you get places like Pinda game reserve which has been rewilded um from a pineapple and cotton farm to what it is today which is you know a really thriving conservation area and i think there's so much to be said for it i think and and, and in terms of your affordability for safari and your like your sightings are no no less good than those in kruger um, and I think there's definitely something to be said for going for choosing KZN as a safari destination. Yeah, Stu, I mean, you want to take the lead on this one. You 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 love the parks down there. You were there in Umfalozi uh, recently. What's your take? The history of the parks is really important. I mean, Shishlui Umfalozi is an incredible place. Um, if you know for a, you know you can go and spend several days there stay in the in the camps there or you can just go there from a day trip from the from Durban if you really want um which is amazing um i think what's also really cool and something we've seen over the years is is the development of those private game reserves i mean for years and years pinda was like is the pinnacle of kzn from a private private game reserve perspective and it, yeah, rightfully rightfully so and you like you say they've done amazing work there but there's also some really cool um parks that have um opened up and and farmers have kind of collaborated to create to create new new spaces which i think is really exciting you know i mean just further north of shishlui it used to be called the black rhino reserve what it's called now Man, um Manioni. Manioni. Yeah, Manioni Private Game Reserve. That's a really good example of like of of private landowners getting together, creating their own network and their own rules and, and reintroducing wildlife in there. So um, you know, kudos to those guys. Um and then I think Pongolo maybe also deserves a, a, a bit of a mention. Um, you know, being the oldest, I think it's technically the oldest game reserve in South Africa. Um, right there on Josini on the on the Josini Dam. There's a lot of variety. There's a lot of different uh, camps and stuff. So yeah, you just got to do the research, and then you can you can get into the further the stuff even further away, right? I mean, further up Tembi Elephant Park, they've got the biggest the elephants there have got the biggest tusks you can you can see. I mean, it's incredible. Um, and then there's some really cool um, like birding and and uh, reserves not far from Tembi. So you've always got to be cautious when people tell you about wildlife areas that are really good birding hotspots because you you kind of get the feeling that they're like oh the birding's the birding's good which means by virtue the there's not much big game and stuff and that's certainly not the case because as you said mel there's sightings are sightings are epic from my perspective you know my parents are, are birders so they would they would they would target those regions specifically because the diversity of the birding is really good i mean jim you you're a birder yourself mate you also know like the, the 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 diversity in bird life in KZN is also really good so it's uh, oh, amazing it's, and there's such yeah. special bird species as you say that that you get there that you don't get anywhere else and uh, yeah. and that's the diversity of the areas like you know you, some of these reserves um Pinda being the example you got that almost coastal forest type of thing then you got open savanna and yeah it got some I mean I'm, I'm not the type of birder don't get me wrong that goes to different areas to tick birds off the list but you certainly you certainly can i'm just trying to think of some of the bird species what's good at, at pinda well while why pinda is particularly known but mkuzi as well is the sand forest biome um which you yeah. don't get anywhere else i think as far as i know and that's really good for like the twin spots pink throat twin spots and the radza palace and uh, a couple of others that escape me. <laughs> those names, are the big ones <laughs> <laughs> those are pink, the ones that i know people are looking for pink throated twin spot i remember that one yeah that, you said that's the sand forest area so that, yeah. that that must exist in mkuzi right 
Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes, we met some there. we met some people in Nkuzi that were birding and they were they said they were there for the pink throated twin spot, which they unfortunately it had eluded them. And then, you know I found it. I found it at the pool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just about to say bouncing next to the pool. Nice. There you go. You see. And then the birders, they come there with their binos searching and searching. And we also saw it uh, just after these these guys left. <laughs> but do you know why it's at the pool? Which was interesting because in Kuzi, and that's also, I think, a really big difference between Kruger and KZN parks. And in Kuzi and in Filozi, they're actually unfenced, um, the camps. So there's the, 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 the elephant wire to stop the elephants coming into camp. But otherwise, everything else runs freely through camp. And I think the reason that the twin spot likes the pool at Mkuzi is because the pool's fenced in and that there's the, the, the forest there is preserved from elephants and other animals that have eaten otherwise a lot of the kind of area. Ah, so, so your top tip is to sit at the pool, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> to see the, th- the pink-throated twin spot. Yeah. Not the, not the pink-bellied parka. Yeah. <laughs> and Mel, what about um, Nambiti and those areas there? What's your take on that? Have you been up there? How's, how's that going? Also, lots of development I've, and I've, changes. I've been to Nambiti once and I, and I was impressed. I, again, like I just didn't, I didn't expect it to be there. And I think what's also different about the landscape there is that it's a lot more open. So, like, actually, when you said that, you know, when you mentioned the birding, um, you know, then you must expect maybe the sightings aren't as good. And I think the only the only reason that might be is that birders are often there in December and January, and that's when the bush is at its thickest. So sometimes, granted, it, the animals are a bit harder to see. Um, but Nambiti is pretty much the opposite. You've got your seriously huge, wide open plains. So it's, it's a very different landscape um, compared to, the, to Northern KZN. But I think well worth investigating. And again, they've got, I think, the big five from, from what I remember. Um, and there's a new place opening there called the Homestead that I've had my that's been on my radar. They haven't opened yet, but yeah, I'm very intrigued as to what they've got planned and why they've chosen Nambiti. And Melanie, we did that episode with the reserve manager from Bambadango, um, and you went there as well for the opening. What's going on there? Yeah, so that's also very interesting. That's a, a community project. Well, not a project. It's it's community land um so it, it was reclaimed um in a land settlement and the community were asked what they wanted to do with their land and they they decided tourism was the best the most impactful i guess and the that will give them the most benefit um so yeah a huge amount of work has gone into into redoing the lodges there so there's three lodges i think another one opening soon and they, again, another really amazing example of rewilding in action. They've got a huge plan to kind of bring, bring wildlife back. They've just released cheetah there, I think, this week. And I think um, lion, lion are coming soon. So, yeah, definitely another park to watch. But what's really great about that as well is that there's, there's a really rich cultural history there. I mean, to drive to Babanango Lodge, you have to drive through the Valley of Kings, um, which is all all the Zulu kings, it's a, it's a sacred road, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, so, yeah, you'll get a really great dose of history and culture um, at that reserve as well. In our second series of, of, the, of the podcast, we interviewed Musa Mbata. Maybe you met him when you were there, Melanie. He's the reserve manager, former guide from the area. And uh, we had a great chat with him uh, about just over a year ago. So, so glad to see it's rolling on and it's, it's being successful. And I, I can't wait to go and visit there one day. Yeah. It's a, because they, they've got a grand vision. So to kind of see it unfolding is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Hard one, to one last it. thing I have to yeah. say, <laughs> the, the Infolozi wilderness walks are, I think the best I've ever done. I was and just I think... about to ask you about the, the wilderness walks and the hiking trails. Cause again, yeah. Just love love the concept there of of doing extended several day hikes, and it's and for me it's like a real back to basics bush mm-hmm. experience. It's if you, if you if you love the bush, you know that's how to do it. It's it's yep. like a proper proper way to reconnect with just nature and 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 there's various ways you can do it. You can do it carrying all your own stuff, or there's like a slack packing version. But the guides are incredible. 
and the walks are just amazing and it's off the grid there's no cell phone connectivity no wi-fi and you sit around the fire and tell stories and it's just the best yeah so those, those are the walks that's the walk that's done in the in the wilderness region of shishlugung uh, flows is that right yeah yeah amazing i mean it's probably if you were looking for something that's as true to nature as you could find that's probably it right because it's through a wilderness area so there's if i'm not mistaken there's very little road network or anything there right yeah there's no road network mm. yeah it's really incredible. and and bang for your back like it's super affordable and just amazing value for money as an experience i'm done with that and how do you book it mel do you book it direct through parks or are there yeah direct, that book uh, it? no you, well I, there might be operators that book it but you can go directly through the parks board and they'll take care of everything they've got their guides the, the trail is catered and then it's it's you can choose i think from two three and four night for the primitive trail um well that's um those are our, our highlights geez mel you've given us a lot of work to do to uh, <laughs> to extract all those links and tips <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you've been making notes though, haven't you, James? Oh, yeah, so yeah. Put your head down. Oh, but you've been writing those web addresses, <laughs> and names and everything, huh? No, no, no. Lots of uh, re reading. I can send you links also. Yeah, well, what that's I remember. don't worry. We'll <laughs> definitely reach out to you for, for, for help. But I think that anyone listening to this, I mean, that's what you can ask for. That's what really, re what it comes down to in this, in this podcast is we just like to chat about these areas that we love and and that we share common passion for but also you know to to be able if someone was heading to to kzn on a road trip and wanted tips and advice and ideas and inspiration this one is going to be loaded with it and so that's uh, you've done a brilliant job thanks so much eh? yeah thanks pleasure and fun. and yeah great it is good fun it's nice and nice to be reminded of like yeah how mm. much there is and yeah it always renews my love <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, i'm in the right sure. place doing the right thing yeah, yeah. Cool. and you've got some i mean you've done some writing about some of the stuff that we've spoken about so yeah. um where can people find you um yeah you can find a lot of my work online at my website which is melaniefansale.com um otherwise i tweet a lot so i'm on twitter at melanie under dash also, it's great. We obviously we had our first series, which was all about women in tourism, and you're doing your 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 bit there. What are you involved with in in terms of female empowerment side of things in in travel? So a friend a friend of mine and I have started curating some some trips for women, um, particularly women who want to like get out get outdoors and feel safe doing it because I think it can be very daunting to. You know, look at the Drakensberg as one example and like, okay, how do I go out and hike this crazy place and feel safe? And, you know, nav navigate that world can be quite, quite scary. So, yeah, we've, we've started curating a couple of trips um, yeah, aimed at, at women that either don't have a partner or don't have the right friends, I guess, <laughs> you know, this kind of thing. Um, and it's, and it's, but it's aimed at just outdoors generally. My passion comes from, I guess, conservation and the wilderness areas. Um, but it's everything from surf camps to hiking trips to we did scuba diving um, at Sedwana Bay. So yeah, so we kind of, we're going to open the doors, I think, for a lot of people to a lot of different activities, which is exciting. The women that have come on our trips are returning. So hopefully we're doing something right. Um, the girls that came on our scuba trip, oh, we did mountain biking like an introduction to mountain biking. Um, yeah, so it's quite exciting. And where can you find information on that? It's called Women for Wild. So it's womenforwild.com. And it's okay. woman spelled W-O-M-X-N. Nice. Sounds like a really nice initiative and lots of uh, exciting adventures ahead, man. Yeah. You're in the to explore those such with all the diversity um that sounds really awesome and this indeed i gotta run because i gotta get my wife she's just yeah. landed at the airport oh you better I go still got 15 minutes okay and i'll uh, will you edit me in afterwards or something yeah i'll edit you in <laughs> edit me in can you yeah you, is this thing on is this okay. thing on <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, <laughs> yeah, cool. Cheers, yeah, I'll be from me. I'll uh, yeah, I'll chat to you later. Cheers, well, it was Bye. really awesome. Yeah, likewise, nice to catch up. Uh, reunited my love for KZN. Yeah, it was, good. Uh, doesn't take much. It's such a cool place. <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll chat to you guys later. Cheers, thanks. Cheers, yeah. cheers, cheers. Okay, brilliant. That was great. Awesome, Mel. We're at, cool. set, that's a wrap. Great, fantastic. Thank you. All right. Cool. Thank you so cheers. much. Cheers. Have right. a good night. Thanks for doing this. Thanks so much. A pleasure. Take care. Bye. Bye.